Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, welcome into the Gamecock Central Radio Podcast. I'm Wes Mitchell here with Chris Clark and uh, coming at you here on Facebook Live, on YouTube, on a little bit of everything for a latest edition of our Gamecock Central podcast. Going to try to be doing a few more of these in the future and obviously getting ready for the 2017 season. But first, South Carolina will close out sort of their uh, recruiting season of the summer. Never really stops, but uh, sort of of the summer session of that will finish up this weekend with two big days. Chris, obviously this staff – puts a ton of attention, puts a ton of effort into recruiting. And, uh, you know, it's just two days this time, but going to be a very, very important weekend for South Carolina with Friday being the final actual camp and then Saturday with another Spurs up day. So it uh, should, should be an exciting weekend, I think, for our Gamecock Central subscribers who really like to follow recruiting. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, you mentioned the the premium that the staff is putting on the camp season, and that's been diminished a little bit by limiting camp days during the summer. I think that's probably another rule that, that Will Muschamp and some other college coaches and high school coaches weren't weren't too big on changing the calendar from where you get, you know, essentially you can have about 20 camp days and now you got about 10. And so, you know, the nine of them were last month. They got one remaining. And so they're, they're trying to make it a pretty big one in terms of getting, um, you know, some talented guys that they wanted to roll through uh, during the month of June that maybe they didn't get to see yet. You know, work out some guys, have some guys on campus just to visit and see how things are done, uh, and also see some guys that they wanted to get a look at prior to their senior seasons. And, you know, like you said, they do put a big emphasis on it. Most of the guys they signed last class were in camp. That was that was more of a full recruiting cycle, the 2017 class, than the 2016 one, which was put together in a couple months. And so I'd imagine if the staff has its way, um, they would like to – you know, to be able to have the bulk of the class, 90% of the class or so, be guys that all all camped in, in one of their summer camps at one time or another. And then, you know, the Spurs Up Day will ha- certainly have some senior talent, but also some underclassmen that they're gunning for uh, early in the process for more of a just sort of a social event that's been pretty successful in the past. Yeah, I was going to say kind of uh, for those who don't, pay a ton of attention to the details of it. Spurs Up Day really, even though it obviously is a recruiting event, you talk to some of the other guys. You know, we were talking to R.J. Roderick a little bit, the safety commitment at the high school media day, high school sports report media day on Sunday. And, uh, you know, he was kind of saying it's really not even a recruiting event. It's just more about getting the guys together, having a good time. Um, you, you know, Obviously, the coaches are using it as a recruiting tool, but it's more about getting those guys on campus. There's games. There's um, sort of built-in ways that they're seeing the campus. There's scavenger hunts a lot of times that the guys seem to really like. So, But but more a fun day, whereas Friday, you know, I think one thing that's interesting about this staff with the camps, uh, you know, they, they put these guys through the ringer. It's not something where – you know, even if you're a high-profile guy, they're not going to bring you in and sort of go through the motions with you. They're going, they're going to push you. Um, 
you know, it's it's a hard day. It's in the part of it is in the Columbia heat, uh, so it's not an easy day for these guys. But uh, it, it has been fun, I think, for us to be able to get out there and and see a bunch of kids. I know we ran an article, um, you know, I guess maybe at the end of last month talking about who our most five impressive guys were. But uh, some guys that are going to be there on Friday that I'm excited to see. Uh, you know, for me, it kind of starts with Irmo's uh, Kendrell Flowers, the running back. Uh, you know, a kid that's going to work out as an athlete could potentially get an offer. Uh, you know, obviously, everybody likes to pay attention to the local kids, and this is a guy that ha- hasn't really seen the recruiting take off yet from off from an offer standpoint. But uh, is just a great athlete. He's about six foot one, one hundred ninety pounds. Has uh, really showed out at these type of settings. So I, I think he'll have a, a big day Friday. Um, DJ Chisholm, the 2019 receiver from Berkeley. He's another kid I, I really liked earlier this year. I'm excited to see. Um, so I guess what about you? Are there any guys on that list? We got the full list on GamecockCentral.com if you're listening, but are close to a full list. It's never really a full list. Uh, you know, there's always guys popping in and out. But who uh, who that we know is going to be there are you kind of most excited to see? Well, there's a couple guys that come to mind that, we're not even 100% sure if they're going to work out, but if they do, would certainly fit that bill for me. Um, one of them's Israel Mukwamu. Um, I'm hoping that he'll work out on Friday. Um, I've, I've heard, you know, he may, may not. And so if he does, you know, he's a really intriguing guy because he's 6'4". He's, he's got some coverage ability. Um, he's done really well on the summer camp circuit in terms of his coverage ability, and I think he still has to get bigger and more physical and fill out, and he's he's worked on that some. Um, but he's a guy that we saw last summer in South Carolina's camp and supposed to be on campus Friday, sort of intrigued by him. Um, if the kid out of Georgia, Kingsley Enigbare, uh, the defensive end out of Atlanta, Hapeville Charter, it, he's supposed to be on campus this weekend. Chad Simmons of Rivals said it was probably on Friday so, that, of course, that is does coincide with the camp day. I'd imagine that's someone that USC does want to see in camp again and get an opportunity to work out, if at all possible. He's been on, on the radar, sometimes heavier than others during the process. Um, and, and right now, he's more of a, a guy who looks more like an end. But I think, personally, he profiles more of an inside guy at the next level. And so that'll be interesting to see how the staff handles that and if he works out what they think about him. But, you know, that that's a couple guys that come to mind. And, I, I'm I'm excited to see, um, you know, some of the underclassmen there too. You know, does Antonio Barber work out? Chisholm certainly won. He was really impressive in June. Flowers, I'd like to get another look at. And, and there's some there's some good names on the list that'll be camping. I'm sure there's a couple that's going to pop up that we we don't even know about right now. Yeah, and uh, you got um, Jamario Holly from Northwestern, yeah. uh, big time prospect. We rivals has him as a three star. I imagine that changes. Um, you know, I think he's already got an early, a nice, really early offer list. Potentially a four-star guy. I think not the biggest kid, but just someone I think South Carolina is pretty high on. Um, another intriguing guy, Deontay Stanley, who's the little brother of uh, of Donnell Stanley from Lada, 2019. Obviously, South Carolina current offensive lineman. Um, and then uh, Jamie Robinson, who's on the list for Friday. That guy is one of my favorite guys we've seen so far. The last two years I think just fits the T perfectly at cornerback to what you know T-Rob and Will Muschamp are looking for so it it should be a big group I think it should be a nice group of guys on on Friday that'll all be fun and uh, you know I'll tell you finally Davis Bevel the Greenville quarterback 
2019 kid, uh, massive kid, you know, very, very tall, sort of has that um, prototypical, uh, you know, the, the basically he looks like what you used to think of an NFL quarterback, you know, big mm-hmm. arm, 6'5", 6'6", um, was very good in seven on seven at South Carolina earlier this year. They wanted to see him at camp. He was injured the day he came, so he's going to be back on campus on Friday. So uh, there, you know, it, it. I feel like it could be one of these days where a lot of guys are in, and then there's not much movement. Or it could be one of those days where you know South Carolina finishes the summer with a bang and, and hands out three, four, or five offers potentially, just depending on you know how how guys perform out there and and then you got the valentine boys uh, obviously uh levante already committed to south carolina uh put down like a 4-3-1 i think at lsu's camp earlier this year i'm, I'm ready to see what levante is going to put down in the 40 at south carolina um you know if he if he works out i know he's going to be there assuming he is and his brother lee anthony who's a 2020 guy uh, so th- there'll be no shortage of guys to sort of watch on on friday and then uh i don't I doubt he works out, but who knows? But uh, you know, Dax Holyfield being in town is is always a big deal, Chris. Yeah, definitely. And and you know, he worked out last year. I mean, he's that's the thing. I mean, the the staff. One thing I noticed from us observing all these camps, Wes, is is they're going to encourage guys to work out even if they have offers. And even though I mean, he's not on South Carolina's commitment list, but I mean, Xavier Thomas it was was obviously a huge priority from day one. Uh, he he came to camp last year and worked out. You know, Dax Holyfield came to camp and worked out. Guys who are committed to South Carolina right now, they really encourage to work out. They they want to see these guys, see if they can take coaching, you know, get a feel for their toughness, how they can move around. You know, camp's obviously not in pads, um, so mm-hmm. th- there is part of a physical element that's missing from it, but you can get a gauge for those things. And we've seen several guys – really emerge as priorities there are numerous guys that we can point to in the in the past couple classes this one the 2017 class where based on the feedback we've heard from people we've talked to you know um, they some of these lesser known names that the guys that aren't hot commodities they have been you know way bigger priorities than some of these four stars or some of the the more recognizable names based on their workouts at camp. Wes, you remember we were at camp last year and Jalen Dickerson, you know, got put mm-hmm. through the ringer by the staff. <laughs> and yeah. and he was a guy that, I mean, even after that, I mean, he had what, Virginia, maybe NC State, East Carolina, not a big offer list, but he was a guy that was much higher than a couple other DBs, including a four-star DB who was there that same day, uh, you know, he was much higher on the pecking order after seeing how he worked, how he's how he was able to be coached, and things like that. So I always think it's very interesting to watch these guys, and, and, and I think the staff, you know, rightfully so, puts a big premium um, on seeing guys in person. Well, you know, Devontae Wyatt last year obviously didn't end up in South Carolina's class, but yeah. – uh, very easily could have uh, ended up signing with Georgia. I, I remember just watching, you know, Lance Thompson and uh, Will Muschamp just follow this kid around the, ent- you know, the entire yeah. camp, and we're we're going, all right, this this is somebody to to pay attention to. And then you know he he, he finishes up with South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, you know, as as his finalist, as, you know, in his recruitment, and just blows up completely as far as those schools making him a priority. So. Um, you know, it's always interesting to see that. And then you got another guy on campus again this weekend, 
sort of similarly different position, but Tyquan Johnson from uh, Screven County, Georgia, uh, a receiver that I think South Carolina is in great shape with who um, probably isn't as well known but just had a, a great camp session in June. Yeah, he was a, a really interesting kid, and, and he's another one that, you know, the staff really identified as a guy they liked after seeing him. And, you know, there's a tie there with Brian McClendon, of course, being a, you know, a, a guy with a lot of ties to Georgia, former Georgia assistant. So when he came to South Carolina, he was able to bring a lot of knowledge about guys in the state of Georgia. And and so Tyquan, of course, is one that he knew about for quite a, some time. And they had him in camp and worked him out. They like the numbers. I mean, he put out some really good numbers in testing. Um, I've seen some of his track times. Good track kid. And that makes him sort of intriguing because he's long. Um, mm-hmm. He can leap. Um, he had he had good ball skills on film and in camp as well. And so he's one of those guys that you look at and you go, why does he not have more offers? And yep. look, I mean – Everybody wants to stock their roster with talent that everybody wants. And if you do that, that's the surest way to put yourself in contention. But you're also, I mean, even the best programs, they find some guys where you go, where'd they find that guy? You know, Mm -hmm. whether it's Alabama having, you know, a great punter or a great tight end or an offensive lineman here or there, a defensive lineman that maybe wasn't heavily recruited. Clemson having a guy like Hunter Renfro. South Carolina having guys like, you know, DJ Swearinger. Eric Norwood in the past, guys that weren't super heavily recruited, and you mix them in with that other talent, and you can find really good players. And, um, you know, last year they signed three four-star defensive backs, uh, or four-star receivers, I'm sorry. This year, you know, the the receivers may not have as much name recognition, but it's some guys in Darius Rush and Taekwon who were track guys who were also receivers and have some versatility to them and, and some interesting tools. Absolutely, and uh, we'll sort of use both of those things you just said as a jumping-off point. Uh, first of all, we got to throw a congratulations to Eric Norwood. I don't know if you saw the release uh, right before we were recording this that went out. Um, he has been elected to the USC Athletics Hall of Fame, so uh, eight new guys. Uh, let's see, um, few football players. Uh, Larry Davis from the 96-97 basketball team. On the list, uh, Bill Courier from football, Chuck Allen from football, obviously currently on the board of trustees, uh, Randy Martz, baseball, Jamar Nesbitt, offensive lineman for the football team, uh, Trisha Papowski, uh, let's see, and uh, Jennifer Brunelli from swimming and diving. diving. So uh, congrats to all those folks. A little side note that just sort of hit as we're recording. Um, and, and then – Receivers. I think we can kind of tie that into the storylines and I would say goals for Saturday. Josh Van, I think, if you're kind of looking at what do you want to, if you're that coaching staff, when you're done with Friday and Saturday, what do you want to have accomplished? <laughs> you know, I, I think you want to be feeling really good about Josh Van because if you're South Carolina, you know, you can already kind of look at what they what they love for that receiver class to look like. Darius Rush. Tyquan Johnson and Josh Van, I think, would be the perfect three-man class for them. Uh, a couple of guys with length that can play outside, and then you got Josh Van, who I think is is actually capable of being a slot type or sort of your outside Debo Samuel type guy. You know, who's maybe not the biggest, but uh, can get separation, can make plays down the field. Very impressive in camp too. 
Yeah. You know, I, I think you look at look at storylines for Spurs up day. Josh Van is as big as you have on that list. I think uh clearly, you know, you I think I mean I already feel pretty good about where they're at with uh with Conway's Raekwon O'Neal, but obviously you want to sort of solidify where you are with, with him heading into his August decision. Um Rick Sandage will be on campus for two days. Possibly you get Josh Van's teammate and Dylan Wanham in as well. You want for, you know, your DeCarion joiners and your RJ Rodericks and your Hank Manoses and those guys to spend as much time with the guys we're talking about as possible and uh, and put South Carolina in a, in a good position, sort of exiting the summer and uh, I think sort of give them that lasting impression. Yeah, and I think what you mentioned about Joiner is is something that would be important. Um, you know, DeCarion will be on campus on Saturday, so will Josh Van. And, you know, South Carolina's been battling Georgia back and forth for Josh Van. They've held the advantage a good bit of the time. But that said, when Georgia prioritizes an in-state guy, prioritizes an in-state guy, and then they're going after Justin Fields, who's a five-star quarterback who, you know, has been uh, developed a good rapport at the opening out in Oregon, throwing a lot of passes to Van. You know, that, that sort of gets on his mind. I mean, Josh has even gone on the record and said, look, it's going to be tough to turn down Georgia. But it's also going to be tough for him to turn down South Carolina because he's got a really good relationship with the staff. He's he's felt the love from the beginning. He likes how they're going to use him. Uh, the family just feels really comfortable in Columbia. And, you know, so, so all those work in their favor. But that said, you know, they're going to have to close it. I, I mean, to me – the the best outcome would be for Josh Van, who has who has talked about maybe deciding in preseason, possibly, um, if, if he just decided after that trip that that's where he wants to go. Now that doesn't mean, especially this day and age, that it's over. Um, but that would be a nice step. A, at the minimum, I think they'd like to know that they they stand, you know, they're in in good standing with him, and that they can have to carry on and Josh Van, sort of building a little bit of bond of a bond before they leave campus. Um, you know, a couple other guys you mentioned, I mean, we mentioned Dax Holyfield. A lot of Gamecock fans have just, it's difficult to tell why they sort of just written him off. Um, I don't really know why. It, it, he's not really anybody, he's not a guy you could project anywhere right now. I mean, there've been a lot of rumors um, about him, you know, eliminating South Carolina. He told me, he laughed at him. wasn't true. Uh, he's going to be. They've worked hard to get him back on campus. The thought is still that it's South Carolina, Virginia Tech, North Carolina, FSU's in there. Some Stanford's in there. Some, um, you know, distance might be a factor. So I think he just doesn't know what he wants to do. But but you know they're they're in a spot with him where they're in the game. They're in a really good spot with Rick Sandage. Um, I think they just need to have a really good visit. I know that they've they've planned a lot for this visit in terms of, of setting a schedule that's going to be really fun, make his family, you know, feel really comfortable. And as long as everything goes well with, without a hitch, I think they'll be in good shape exiting the summer. The only thing there is that, you know, Sandage may just wait until December and take some official visits. So, again, it's going to be a situation where you just got to, you know, you just got to keep trucking and, and keep pounding the pavement and, and hope things fall your way. Yeah, and I, I think um... – you know our fan base here gets and this is everywhere they get frustrated when South Carolina leads on a guy but then doesn't land him and I think you kind of have to 
sort of remember the the role that timing plays into recruiting. You know, uh, you, you may lead now, but do you lead when a guy's about, you know, when the guy's ready to make his decision? Or is a kid going to extend it out? I think anytime, you know, anytime a guy says, well, I've decided I'm going to extend it and take five official visits, you still feel somewhat good about where South Carolina is if they're leading, but you, you're not going to feel – you know, so many things can change uh, when yep. a guy's going to be on another team's campus. So uh, I think, especially with Dax, um, you know, I, I think it goes – I mean, I go back to a conversation I had with him at the Rivals uh, camp in Charlotte. And, you know, at the time we thought he might be ready to commit fairly soon, and it, it looked pretty – he was fresh off of a visit to South Carolina, you know, spent the pretty much entire time with Coleman Hutzler, the linebackers coach, had a outstanding visit. We thought, you know, that this thing might be coming to an end soon. Uh, clearly, that's not the case. And I, I think, you know, Dax is just truly torn. I, I don't think it's any drama on his end. I think he's just torn. He's got a lot of schools that truly want him. That's that's another thing. Sometimes sometimes it comes down to, you know, four, four schools, three or four schools maybe recruit a kid hard enough and he likes them enough for them to be one of his finalists. And then half the schools maybe decide, well, we we don't we're you know we want another kid, so right. they sort of eliminate they eliminate themselves. Um, and I think you know fans hate to hear that, but if you're South Carolina, until you get the thing really built up the way Muschamp hopes and plans to, there's there's no there's no fault, there's nothing wrong if you sign a kid because you just outlasted everybody else. Um, if you get a good player out of it, you get a good player out of it. So. Um, so sometimes that happens, but I, I think with Dax, um, I think he's just all over the place. And I think if it does extend out, the year South Carolina has on the field will absolutely play a big part with Dax Holyfield because I am under the impression, even you know, I talked to him a little bit, sort of off, you know, off the record, not not recording the conversation. He he truly likes South Carolina, you know, he truly likes the coaching staff, but the the kid also wants to win. Uh, sure. So I, I, you know, I, I think that's going to be a part of it. I, I think if if South Carolina shows improvement on the field and Dax just keeps an open mind and takes, you know, three, four, five official visits, if South Carolina's winning, I think they're going to be right there till the end. Now, if they if they struggle on the field, I, you know, I think they do probably fall off some with Dax. Yeah. But but make no mistake, after after the visit this Friday, um, Dax is going to have all kinds of good things to say about South Carolina because the the kid enjoys everywhere he goes. That's just you know that's the type of kid he is. He's all he's a great interview. He's going to have good stuff to say if you if you get him in person at least. So uh, you know I, I think that this thing's got many many twists and turns, and that's just that, that's recruiting for you, and that's part of the reason fans hate it hate it and love it at the same time. I think. <laughs> yeah, well, and and what you said about the season, I, I totally agree because. <clears throat> you know, I, I look at it this way. When when South Carolina, um, when they sort of bottomed out in 2015 with three wins, you know, they doubled that win total the next year, which is still, in my mind, an underappreciated thing that happened. But it, it it's perception-wise, it's tougher for them to bottom out with three wins than a lot of other programs. Because number one, even when Tennessee, Florida, Georgia, you know, Auburn, Clemson, FSU, whoever in this sort of geographic footprint, P- 
people that South Carolina needs to be recruiting against in order to have success, even when they're down, it's not three game down, um, at least lately. And when they're down, guess what else? You know, they have traditionally been in, in better shape to be able to rebound more quickly because they have bigger trophy cases. You know, they have more tradition. South Carolina, it's been shown that success could be had at South Carolina. You can win football games. You can beat teams that are ranked number one. You can have great atmospheres. You can get to Atlanta. Um, those things can happen um, because it's been done before. It's it's not easy, but it's not really easy to do it anywhere. It, it's right now where the program is, it's more difficult at South Carolina. So I think people have to, you know, measure that. When, when fans go, well, this school, you know, they signed a top five class after winning six games. Well, that's that school. You know, it, not all schools are the same with that. And so they're having to get some guys to sort of jump out onto a onto a ledge right now, sort of step out on faith. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we're seeing Dax, J.C. Horn, you know, some of these other big names that they're after that could be game changers for them if they land them. That's why some of them, I think, are, are still a little bit hesitant because they just want to continue to see, you know, that progress because guys want to win. I mean, that's why you see teams that have traditionally won the most, that's why they get the better best recruits. And, and they typically, when a team's good, they typically stay good. They have ebbs and flows. But, you know, South Carolina, they've had, they had their pocket a really big success. But other than that, I mean, there was a time where they didn't have a conference. There was a time when the, their facilities weren't up to par. They just bottomed out recently. Um, you know, they, they, their head coaching hire was, I think we're all seeing, a good one. I believe it was. But mm-hmm. people didn't look at it as the same as, say, you know, you're not hiring a, a Nick Saban or Urban Meyer, someone who's won a bunch of national championships and just plugging them into a new school that already has a ton of traditions and trophies. And so that that all stacks up against South Carolina. Um, so I, I think it's just a slower build. And with everything that happens in recruiting, I think fans just need to ask, are, are, are we upgrading the roster here? You know, is the situation yep. being made better? And at most spots, you could say yes. And it's not as fast as some people want. Um, there have still been disappointments in recruiting. And let me tell you, there will be in the future too. But, you know, it's just a situation where they're just going to have to keep working and working and working. And if they can have a couple breakthroughs on the field, I think it'll start to pay off. Uh, you know, absolutely. not. You know, to go to perception – I think it's even, you know, you even look around the rest of the East, and I think, I think one thing that is both in South Carolina's favor and both it has to be pretty frustrating too, especially if you're South Carolina's coaching staff, is that the the East is very very winnable. You know, you don't you don't have to be an elite team to win the SEC East, and I'm sure they're in some way. If I if I was on South Carolina's staff, I'd be saying, man. If we had just been left with a little bit more to work with, <laughs> right? Yeah, you know, like re, you know, you use those three eleven win seasons a little bit better. A guy here, a guy there, and a guy here. May you know it? May, maybe maybe we're in that conversation. May you know is what I'd be saying. But it's it's it is a big rebuild. But I think part of that is, you know. Y- 
it is going to take time, but I think once you know, if you, if you win six games last year, if you can win seven next year, it's still progress. Then you have to start building off that. You have to stack, you know, classes on top of classes. Then, you know, eventually you want to get to that point to where you're competing for the East. Then you want to be where eventually you win the East. And the more progress you show, the more doors that are going to be open. The more these kids are going to be willing to take that leap. So, you know, I, I think it is a a, a stepping you know, a step-by-step process, but, you know, I, I look on our board and, yeah, people, let's say Tennessee, for instance, there's this perception that Tennessee is a, you know, a dumpster fire. I think that's the most overused <laughs> phrase in uh, message board history, dumpster right. fire. You know, Tennessee's a dumpster fire right now, and you even hear things, you know, I know you hear them, I hear them, you hear things behind the scenes about issues at Tennessee, and, uh, you know, that staff may not be on firm footing right now, but, and I can be honest, and I, dude, I, I follow college football as close as about anybody. Just because of the perception I had of Tennessee in my head, I didn't realize they've actually won nine games each of the last two seasons. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. you would uh, – South Carolina's won nine games in the last two seasons combined. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're a South Carolina fan, you'd crawl – you know, you'd crawl over broken Bud Light bottles to get the nine wins. So, it, and, like, they, and they beat and they beat Tennessee last season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, and was, South Carolina, which was impressive. Yeah, <laughs> no South business Carolina, doing it. Exactly, South Carolina beat Tennessee, but you know, this is a team that's averaged nine wins the last two years. So, so yeah, it's easy to say, well, why would Dorian Gerald go to Tennessee? You know, I thought that was a a head scratcher. It still kind of is for me. But um, you know, why is J.C. Horn now considering Tennessee? From a South Con fan perspective, it may be easy to say that makes no sense. But hey, at the end of the day, they're still an SEC team. They've won nine games each of the last two years. Um, when you're battling for, te- you know, battling teams in this conference, it's really never going to be easy to sign good players. Like you're going to have to battle teams for almost all of them. You're never going to get them uncontested. You know, that's rarely going to happen. So no, no, nobody signs anybody uncontested. I mean, it, it's it would be one percent of one percent you know i mean that's just yeah south carolina could have won four national titles in a row and some of these same names that we're talking about right now would probably still be taking visits you know well, well bam, think, bam about other guys <laughs> they, they do yeah every everybody does and and so obviously if you're bama you you'd love to have bama's track record with yeah, with signing right. guys i mean all day but it just goes to show i mean that, that there's a reason if you actually look at the facts behind how recruiting works and where South Carolina is, it's not, it, that's the other thing. If you bring those things up, sometimes people say, well, that's an excuse, you know, no, it's just, it's just sort of explaining sometimes why things happen. Now, if, if in four or five years, the staff hasn't built the program up to where they're competing in the east then you can go and say it hasn't worked and, and you don't make any excuses about it but but you do have to recognize the circumstances you know about, about what it's what it's going to take to, to get things back on track here absolutely um and uh, you know I, I think from there we can kind of close it i i think with a we, we wrote about this so it's kind of fresh on our minds, um, and it kind of just naturally got to this point. But w- what do you think um, as far as 
expectations for this year. I, I think it's it's almost not not that the media necessarily sets the expectations, but I, I think you know I, I think we also have to uh, when people read what we write or hear what we say. You know, I, I think you have to be. Um, I'm trying to think of what the word is. You have to be realistic about it to not sort of make the expectations um, insane, I guess, but and, and be realistic and, and sort of try to let people know w- what they should expect. Not that everybody has to agree with us or we have all the answers, but uh, I think we have to be smart about saying what, you know, what we, what we think is going to happen because you don't, I never want to be like, ah, oh, this should be a 10-win team and, and people to feel like misled or something, you know. So a lot of times I feel like sometimes, you know, we give these reports on who looks good during the summer and, you know, the team's been working really hard this summer and people take it as like almost like sunshine pumping or something. I'm like, well, no, you know, those guys have done really, really well. That doesn't mean they're going to win every game this summer. Um, I – I tend to just circle in my head the number seven um, as far as regular season victories. Uh, I think it's a tougher schedule than last year. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, six wins again. In regular season, I still think actually it it would be a pretty successful season, especially if you can get a winnable bowl game and make it seven with the bowl. Um, I I think the big big thing is – in my opinion, this is going to be a better team than last year. I don't really have many doubts of that. I think it'll be a better football team, but I don't know necessarily. I mean, I, I'm looking at this NC State game, man, and it is to me a tough matchup. And you look at you look at South Carolina last year; they were three and one out of conference. So if you're just talking about even keeping pace with last year's record. Um, you know, the only out-of-conference game you lost was Clemson. That's going to be a tough game to win this year, too. So to stay sort of on that pace, um, six regular season wins, need to find a way to beat NC State. Uh, Missouri, get week two, is at Missouri. I actually think Missouri is going to be one of the more improved teams in the East. That's that's actually a tough game. I know fans want to say, you know, not all fans, but some people might say that's, that's, that's a win. I think it's winnable. I think it's more of a toss-up type game than Kentucky, who's won three games in a row. To me, I start, you know, I say six, seven regular season wins, but it's mm-hmm. just absolutely crucial to start the season on a positive note. Um, two, two and one in the first three, I think, is absolutely. Uh, almost has to happen if they're going to sort of be able to show progress because you. Now, even if it's one game of progress, you w- you want to just show progress in the wins and losses because the people, uh, you know, everybody listening to this, most of them, and, and us sitting here talking, we're going to look at the schedule and say, well, yeah, that, that was a pretty good season. You know, they won six games. They won seven games against a harder schedule. Your outsiders are just going to look at the record. So I, I think showing progress in the win column is very very important. It is, but you know, I think the reality of where they're at is is that I, I'm with you that it's going to be a better football team, especially offensively. Um, I'm I'm not saying they're going to be a juggernaut, but they'll be better on offense for so many reasons. 
defensively, there's still a lot of questions, but I think they could be improved there if they stay healthy. Um, this team may get in some close games, and then you start worrying about special teams because they're replacing a lot there, too. They don't have a lot of guys that are tried and true in special teams, and it's, some, it's an area that a lot of people forget. But this team could be significantly better just in terms of how good the team is and, and not have a lot more to show in the wins and loss in the win column. Um, because like you said, the schedule's tougher. I don't, there's not an easy game on this schedule. There's really not where, with where the roster is. I think, you know, I mean, even like you got to play Wofford, who's an option team and a good option team, <laughs> you know, at that level. Um, all, a lot of the teams last year that you, you, you thought South Carolina had a chance to beat, a lot of those teams think they'll be better. Missouri thinks they'll be better. Kentucky feels like, you know, they, they could have a, a better team. Arkansas had a disappointing year. They feel like they could be better. Tennessee, you know. And so there, there's not a pushover game on this schedule. You look at it, and I think your most winnable ones are Kentucky, Louisiana Tech, Wofford, Vanderbilt at home. Um, I think they've got a chance to beat A&M on the road. Um, they've got a chance to maybe beat Florida, who, you know, will, will take a step back maybe defensively, but offensively maybe better, be able to run the ball. And I'm not, you know, at the same time, there's not but maybe a couple games on the schedule where you look at it and go, I really can't see them winning that game on paper right now, which is – Definitely a step up from last season, right? When we're just looking yeah, at the oh, yeah. schedule. And so uh, you're right, though. I, I think starting off the season well, you know, you always want to win your opener. Um, but I think just to get to that number of wins where people will deem that they've made progress, I think they're going to have to make some noise in the first part of the season because that is a big chunk of their most winnable games on the schedule. You know, absolutely. And I, I think – and obviously Kentucky beat South Carolina three years in a row. That game's at home. Uh, Muschamp alluded to on actually on Paul, Paul Feinbaum. I don't know if he knows a little bit more than us or if he's just hoping, uh, but he alluded to a possible night game, you know, week three against Kentucky. I, I would imagine there's a good chance that's like your SEC network, 7 o'clock kickoff. Um, I think that would be a big opportunity for South Carolina because, you know, can, can they split the first two, NC State and Missouri, and then beat Kentucky? You know, I, I think if you win two out of the first three, and wow, if you somehow find a way to win the first three, then you really put yourself in a situation where if you lose some of these uh, close games later on in the schedule, you've kind of built a little bit of a cushion to kind of get to, to where you want to be. But, uh, you know, I think you even look back to last year, if South Carolina's quarterback situation was better off earlier in the year, uh, you know, there's probably another win or two in there. So I, I think when you have a guy, like I said, I, I go to six or seven wins in my head, but when you have a quarterback, and I think Jake Bentley is going to be very, very good for South Carolina. When you have a quarterback, you always have a chance. So um, it should be an entertaining season, you know, regar regardless of, of all that. Um, anyway, uh, you, you got any closing thoughts, man? We're rolling in on, I guess, about 40 minutes here. Um, my, my closing thought is uh, – the carry-on joiner is really, really strong. 500-pound uh, <laughs> squat. Um, I wrote a little thing on, on uh, the Insiders Forum there that people can read about just how strong a 500-pound squat means you are. Um, but just as someone 
who like dabbles, you know, in the weight room. Like I try to get in there just for my health, but I'm I'm never gonna be never gonna be accused of being, you know, super strong or super athletic like these guys are that play college football. But just as somebody who sees how hard it is to like work up and gain uh, you know, strength like that, five hundred pounds in that video on Twitter, absolutely effortlessly. Um it's just pretty dang impressive. So my my final thought is a shout out to the carry on joiner. You got a, a final thought to wrap this up, Chris? Yeah, I mean, I I think um, this is still a key weekend, you know, in terms of recruiting. Still a key weekend. Um, I don't think people should be disappointed if they don't walk away landing a few commitments. Certainly, that's possible. Um, but you know, again, we've talked about sort of the slow build with the team with recruiting, which is the lifeblood of the program, and. This is just going to sort of be a, a time to put another notch on their belt with some of these guys, with Rick Sandage and his family, with Dax Holyfield, you know, just to continue making them comfortable and continue selling them on the vision uh, that they have at South Carolina. So, um, you know, there's still a long, long way to go. We got, what, over you know, over six months until signing day, and so the, the final product will be in si- on signing day, notwithstanding a bunch of early enrollees that they may have. Um, but it's still a, still an important weekend. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. Absolutely. It should be fun. And, uh, hey, we'll have complete coverage on GamecockCentral.com if you're a subscriber. Um, you know, obviously, hopefully you'll be on there. If you're not a subscriber, we'd love to have you join us. And uh, we'd love to have you uh, join us on the podcast again. We're going to be doing more of these as the season gets here and kicks off. Uh, so subscribe to us um, on iTunes. Uh, let's see, follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, all that good stuff. Um, we're going to post them everywhere just for, for ease of use so you can listen uh, wherever you want. Um, for Chris Clark, I'm Wes Mitchell. We'll see you next time on the GCR Gamecock Central Radio Podcast. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.